0: This is the Lifestyle Business Podcast, Episode 2. If you like this podcast, you got to sign up for our mailing list. That's really the only way I communicate with the community at this time. You can find that at lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Hi, this is Dan Andrews and I'd like to thank you for downloading the Lifestyle Business Podcast. This is a podcast aimed at individuals who are interested in unconventional approaches to life, business, and their careers. Okay, today we have a two-part episode. The feature, the biggest portion of the podcast is going to be called 10 Signs You Might Be a Lifestyle Entrepreneur. Uh, some of them are funny, some of them are more serious, but I think it's a cool way to go about fleshing out who our target community is, what we're talking about here, and what separates lifestyle entrepreneurs from more standard Business people, corporate people, career people, job people, everybody else. What sets us apart as people who are interested in lifestyle entrepreneurship? And at the end of the episode, I'm going to answer a question. I received a really cool email from a listener last week. You can send me questions or feedback to dan at lifestyle business podcast I'm happy to answer your questions on the podcast. Rob from Australia writes, uh, I listened to the podcast and really, really enjoyed it. Some stuff hit home for me big time especially what you said about seeking out mentors and other positive relationships. And Rob also talks a little bit about unable to kind of filter out sort of all the inputs and the expectations that people have. And he says as a result, it's been difficult to find people that can sort of be positive mentors in a search. And so what he says is, do you know any more specific strategies would help with this search? For Rob, I do, and I will share three at the end of the episode. So let's get started right away. Feature segment here, we're going to talk about 10 signs that you might be a lifestyle entrepreneur. You know, the, afford- the affordability and the accessibility of digital communication tools means that it's never been easier or cheaper to start your own business. And now people, they really, you really have the ability to run global companies from your living room. I've seen it happen so many times. I run my own. Once you see this stuff sort of breaking down, it's not such a huge conceptual leap. Customers and suppliers in any time cone time zone can command your attention at any time of the day and these conditions have created fertile soil for the lifestyle entrepreneur, or the lifestyle designer, barefoot executive, you know there's a lot of different uh, terminology for this kind of thing and that's a, a person who creates businesses that pay not only in money but in time and mobility therefore that increases the effective value of your income. That is really the critical thing here is that in the digital world there's many more currencies than just money, and when you take away someone's freedom of mobility, basically what I mean, what's happening is that if you can create cash while creating time and mobility, I mean that m- has a multiplicative impact on the cash that you have. If, for example, you spend your money in the same place every single day for years, there's really diminishing returns to the value you're seeing for that money. It's not bringing extra excitement or extra learning or intrigue or opportunity into your life. But if you can have a vocation or a company that allows you to start moving around and engaging new circumstances, even small things like, for example, when I first quit my job, the best mastermind group that I started going to happened to be for internet marketers and it met in the middle of the day. It was a great meet-up, and not having a job allowed me to go there. Also sort of served as a filter, so anybody that hadn't taken the plunge and quit their job, they weren't going to be at this meeting because it was smack dab in the middle of the workday. Having that time away from an office location allowed me to seek out these great opportunities, which those meetings are v- extremely inspiring and it really allowed me to talk with some smarter, much smarter individuals than myself and it were a great help in my business. That's just one example of how having why you would even want to seek out time and mobility in a real practical way is the ability to latch on to new sources of value and income and not just have to arbitrarily sort of show up to a building every day. Okay so of course there's always been lifestyle entrepreneurs Uh, But only recently, with the help of the internet, has the lexicon and the culture begin to emerge around this kind of thing. And and hopefully you'll find this podcast is one of the premier premier resources uh, to this movement. So what follows is a list of 10 signs that you might be a lifestyle entrepreneur. So number one, (laughs) your laptop is your most important possession. More than any phone, car, lucky t-shirt, your laptop serves as the central hub from which you conduct your business and your life. It probably has some scuffs and the loss might inspire some tears, but instant replacement. Although you back up all your files with Gmail or some other cloud services, so if you were to lose it, you would still be okay. So make sure um, there's a couple services you can look into. I use Gmail, Google Docs as sort of cloud computing services. Also Mosey is a service that you can use if you have things like uh, QuickBooks databases or things that you really need to hang on to. Although I would definitely suggest using sort of online cloud-based accounting services like a like a FreshBooks for example. Number 2, do you guys have Wi-Fi is the first question you ask upon en- entering any hotel, friend's house, cafe or family gathering. I mean the lifestyle entrepreneur, they run their networks, uh, their businesses 100% using Wi-Fi signal, even if that's, if you're overseas, you're using either a VoIP connection or Skype in order to, you know, communicate with people. You're, you're obviously having to monitor your project management software, whether it be your Basecamp or your Pelotonics or, um, or you're, you're using your Gmail, of course. I'm interested to know, is, does anybody, has anybody in the audience used Gmail and has, def- has opted instead to use another service? For their business I know the most common is as outlook and I can still see some reasons although not many remaining why someone would want to use outlook I would certainly be interested in hearing alternative email clients from my perspective Gmail kills and I would be interested to hear why people would make an alternative decision number three uh, you bring up for discussion the most recent posts from the following top bloggers Tim Leo and Seth while out for drinks with your friends, you refer to them by first name and as if they were close friends. Tim, obviously Tim Ferriss, uh, for those of you who are already into the lifestyle design, lifestyle entrepreneurship movement, Tim Ferriss sort of wrote the definitive book of the movement. It's called The 4-Hour Workweek. It's not really about working four hours, although you can. It's more about creating leverage in a solopreneurship uh, situation. And that's really important, okay? so. Here is one of the fundamental mistakes that solopreneurs make. They forget about the importance of activating a a, a close active network working for a common goal. So as a business person, you can have one of two things working for you, right? It's either capital or people. Now there's also, of course, there are viral elements on the web that can work for you. So if you create a great document or something and people pass it on, that's a sort of a form of leverage. However, basically, I, I mean, I would say the majority of people getting involved in solopreneurship or lifestyle design, they're not, you know, they're not gravitating to this because they have uh, tons of capital. If you're not used to ownership and capital and having people working for you, it's easy to kind of assume that the route of going as a solopreneur is is something that is separate from that. I, in, the, in the short way of putting this is that. People who start web-based businesses ignore the importance of getting virtual assistance, hiring employees, having freelancers work for your organization, activating and energizing a group of people, even if it's friends, family, people around you, to help contribute to your project. And um, a lot of times web-based businesses are seen as sort of a great way to you know not have to pick up that telephone and not have to engage with people directly and sort of have this all thing going autopilot but I guarantee you I guarantee you there's two things that work for you in this world and its capital and its people and those are the things that create equity and wealth and so look around if you don't have capital working for you you better get started on people and that means hiring low-cost virtual assistants that means getting a small tribe of customers enthused and reselling your products that means putting your hand out there and meeting top bloggers, meeting top people in your space and getting them enthused about what you're up to. And it's not about a popularity contest, but it is about doing things that are so valuable that people want to have you around. And essentially, I mean, always look at as wealth and money as an exchange for what people find valuable. You know, if people don't think selling your product or engaging with you is valuable, you're not going to see money on the other end of that. You know, there are contrary examples, but... A short, certainly a surefire way to create wealth and get money work and, and, and create wealth for yourself is to really reach out and improve the quality of your network. And so we're going to talk much more about that. But we're talking about Tim Ferriss. We're talking about Leo, who writes Zen Habits, um, which in a, I think in a digital world, you need to create sort of proactive habits that allow you to simplify things because it's so easy to sort of let the world flood in on you. I think one of the things that both... Tim and Leo talk about so effectively is how to focus in on the information in particular that is helpful to you that's going to get you to the next level and the opposite of this would be people who are unfocused and will fritter about sort of vague general information like like where there's a political strife or um, who which news anchor is arguing with which news anchor or like what's going on in Arizona right now and you've got to ask yourself What is the effect of allowing this information to act on my brain right now? And is it helping me to get the life that I want? And this is difficult because, you know, in a lot of ways, like going to look at a celebrity blog or one of my, uh, I'll tell you, one of my Achilles heels is going to the Huffington Post blog. I love to kind of see what this scandals are going on and, and who's arguing with who. You know, I definitely put myself on proactive diets for that stuff because I find that when I'm happier and I feel better about myself, when I can focus on the information that is improving my life and bringing me to the places I wanna be. That's uh, number three, so we gotta get moving here. Number four, you are planning your next mini retirement now. That means you are constantly planning on downsizing your life and and relocating somewhere. Uh, I love to relocate, as Tim Ferriss suggests in his 4-Hour work week to locations that are meaningful in some way other than just kind of like they're exotic or I'm looking around. I, in particular, I love to go to places that have some kind of business significance. Uh, I like to, in particular, energize a group of outsourced professionals to work on my projects. And so what do I do for my mini-retirements? I go to them. I go, I live with them. Uh, I asked them to make arrangements for me, I want to meet their families, I want to eat their food, I want to learn about their culture. And this has been an awesome experience because we engage on a project that is important to both of us together. You know this doesn't have to be about business, it can also be about if you want to learn a certain language, like my friend is going on a mini-retirement next month and his goal is he always has wanted to learn Italian. So he is going to Italy to live in a language school, hopefully to get an Italian girlfriend. You know, this is the kind of thing that when you can, it, it's same with the people and places and times in your life. If you can engage with things as a part of a project that you're fascinated by, I think that's what brings happiness is sort of engagement in great projects. And so the way that I plan for my own retirements in general have been business focus. So like, you know, 75% fun and 25% business. And well, wouldn't it be a great opportunity to go to X location, hang out with my assistants, give them a better idea of who I am, you know, that's going to increase their productivity. But it's also going to allow me to learn more about the opportunities that exist there. We're going to talk a lot more about mini retirements in the future. I love mini retirements. Number five, you know the term global arbitrage and you overuse it in conversations. Global arbitrage is essentially the concept of, well, there's a lot of lot of different ways to talk about this, but I think the main one um, that's important for lifestyle entrepreneurs is that you understand two things. One is that if you can outsource a task to an area of the globe, um, the living costs are much lower. You can get a huge, a much better value return on your investment. In terms of hiring somebody um you know india is an example of tech outsourcing location maybe not the best right now we'll talk more about what the best is right now in the future but let's just take for example it's cheaper obviously to live in india right now than it is to live in california so if using digital communications tools if i can outsource a task to india then i can get a better rate on it that's one form of global arbitrage now the other way to look at it is if you can mobilize your income so say you make 45 grand a year and you live in Philadelphia, for example, you might be able to save, I don't know, it depends how frugal you are, you might be able to save anywhere from $300 to $1,000 a month on your income. Now, if you were to be able to mobilize your income in Philadelphia, and you were able to travel to, let's say, a lower cost area of the world, like the South Pacific, some island in the South Pacific, the cost of living there might be a thousand dollars a month, so your effective income the amount of money that you could save could easily go up to you know fifteen hundred close to two two thousand dollars a month you could save on that just by moving to the south pacific you know so there 's a lot of different ways that if you can mobilize your income if you can detach it from a certain location, it can become more valuable uh, You can see this with time and money so it's like it's the same thing. Um, look at like how much you'll pay for a sandwich in the airport. Now, the reason that an airport sandwich costs seven U.S. dollars and the one two miles down the street costs three dollars or four dollars is that they're taking advantage of the fact that you don't have any time or mobility. You cannot leave the airport because of security, and you have to catch your flight. Basically, you're gonna pay more. And if you were to have time and mobility, if you could arbitrage yourself, you could uh, take advantage of that and pay less for a sandwich. So these are a bunch of examples, but there's, there's ideas that are really powerful. Number six, there are people who play critical roles in your business whom you've never met. It's possible you've never been to the country in which they live. This is similar to our previous point, which is to say that this is a theme that I'm really enthused about, and I really try to get people moving in this direction. If you want to be a lifestyle entrepreneur, I can tell you one interesting first step. I love the the guys who will make a hardcore move and they'll say the first thing you need to do in your business is make sales, sell, sell, sell. That's cool, but there's also a lot of mindset things you need to go through in order to become an entrepreneur. And one of the biggest things you can do to sort of throw your mindset into hyperdrive is to hire somebody. Hire somebody. Now you can go to... Uh, Vietnam, you can go to the Philippines, you can go to India, you can hire somebody for four hundred dollars a month. Most people in the United States can find four hundred dollars a month. Oh, I don't want to say most people. I want to say you. You're listening to this podcast. You can find four hundred dollars a month for certain. Now, instead of of saying that you can, you know, just get the work that you need to do done or anything. Think of this as having more multiplicative value than you can understand right now. If you don't have an employee, if you don't have a virtual assistant that's full time, not some guy doing little projects for you, some guy that you interact with on almost a daily basis about the projects you're engaged with, this is gonna have such a huge impact on your mindset because the number one thing you can do to grow your business is to not work it. If, If you're responsible for your business's success, it can't grow that fast. The systems, the the locuses of value that you identify and either put capital or people to work on are the things that are going to grow your business. So the number one way to accelerate that mindset is to get somebody working for you now. If you have a decent idea that's sort of in the works, I would even go so far to say is to borrow to, to get somebody. I mean, I think it's that critical to understand what it means to have somebody working for you and to... Build the systems and the mindset that allows you to put things off of your plate onto employees. That's just a, a riff off of this idea that, you know, the, if you want to hire somebody for $400, sometimes it's difficult to do that locally. So you definitely want to start you know, with someone in a country probably that you've never met or that you've never been to. Number seven, your friends have car payments and bills. Okay, You have liabilities and expenses. And this is an idea similar to the previous one, which is, As a lifestyle entrepreneur, you really start to think of your entire life, all your expenses as a balance sheet. Because essentially, if if you only have one, two, three people in your business, your personal income is your business. It has a dramatic impact on your business. And so you start to think of things like, if you're, say, if you're moonlighting in the evening trying to get your business off the ground, you might not go out and get that extra $400 liability car payment, right? because that's going to be your first employees payment and so things like retail therapy like going shopping on a Saturday to make yourself feel better which is um, I think a very common thing certainly something I've felt quite a bit in my past things like being willing to borrow money to buy things that are essentially expenses these are things that lifestyle entrepreneurs move away from as an entrepreneur you all of a sudden start to see a way to get to the lifestyle of your dreams. I don't think a lot of people, as little kids, think that the lifestyle of their dreams is to like have all the right clothes and the right car. You know, what you want really is to be able to do the things that you wanted. You want the freedom. You want, you want the ability to impact the world. Number nine, your information diet to you is as important as your real one information diet is a term coined by Tim Ferriss. The information diet is essentially what is to take a proactive uh, approach to the kinds of things that you consume. And you understand that putting information into your brain really impacts the way that you act. Uh, I think it's it's critical to not get distracted with irrelevant information and and start to focus on things that are really getting you towards the life that you want to have and that are really enriching you. They're bringing you excitement. They're bringing you learning. They're bringing you opportunity. This is the kind of information that you want. Now You're also going to see a lot of lifestyle entrepreneurs who they really focus on um, buying information products. And for me, certainly is the case. You know, I'm a member of multiple uh, elite forums, mailing lists. I um, certainly have bought a lot of products in the past. I have sort of I'm waiting at any moment for the people at amazon.com to send me some kind of golden watch because I think I've been their best customer over the past few years. That's the proactive side of this, which is consuming quality relevant information is just as important as consuming quality food stuff. So that is uh, really critical. Number 10, You can regularly be found asking, what day of the week is it to those around you? You know, that's just a funny way of saying, you know, sometimes lifestyle designers, lifestyle entrepreneurs, they have a different, a different approach basically to the week. (laughs) And sometimes it can just be kind of riding. I call, I have this idea in my head that you sort of put up your sails when the winds of passion are blowing. And when you're feeling like working on your business at Sunday night, go for it and uh i I get a certain pleasure out of doing things at times when other people aren't, so for example i I just love to go shopping at on Tuesday mornings, you know when nobody is at the grocery store and uh that's a really nice feeling um to be there and and to sort of avoid the lines and to just just to know that you have the freedom to even do little things uh like that. Those are the ten signs that you might be a lifestyle entrepreneur. If you've got some of your own, please uh, let us know. That's dan at lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. I hope you enjoyed the feature segment. We've got today a question from a listener. It's, it's a great question. Rob from Australia talks about feelings of, of some isolation, of really needing a positive mentorship group. What he's talking about in particular, what are the specific steps that I can take in order to get myself into a a positive mentorship group? Um, I've written out three tips. Uh, i got to say, after looking at them, I'm a little worried that they're not specific enough. But a lot of these things are mindset issues, and they're more general principles. And finding the specific ways to implement these things in your life, I think is unique to where you're at both geographically I mean I'm not sure for example about you know there are certain sites that I would use to uh, network with people in the United States that might not be as relevant in Australia or in Europe um, but so I want to talk a little bit about the specific mindset things that you can do if we want to talk about really quickly about web resources uh, here in California I have identified meetup groups and great mastermind and some mentors through both Craigslist and meetup.com. And um, like I said earlier in the episode, one of the more successful meetups that I've gone to were the ones that were held during the day. But always the most successful mastermind and mentorship situations that I've been involved in were ones that I've set up myself. And so that is going to be one of the mindset things. So let's get into it right away. To answer Rob's question, here are three tips I've got um to get yourself a world class mentorship situation. Number 1. You got to take an inventory of the proactive things that you've done. And I think this is important because when you when you don't have a mentor and you don't have a mastermind group, oftentimes you can be prey to this attitude that you're sort of waiting for someone to sweep you off your sweep you off your feet maybe searching the wanted ads or looking for this amazing opportunity out there. The truth is, is that people generally don't walk along and hand out money. Now, I'm not saying that, or hand out money or hand out opportunity. I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. And certainly um, from time to time, one of the greatest feelings on the planet is when you feel like you're giving that opportunity to somebody. But if that's that's a bad strategy, I mean, the lesson is, is that those things are great, and they can happen it can like opportunity and wealth and everything can just fall on you but you don't that can't be your strategy that doesn't make sense as a strategy and so the first step in your strategy needs to be to take an inventory of the proactive things that you've done the things that you can say about yourself you know, I'm interested in this. I've done research in this. I've actually, you know, done work in this direction. It's very common for people to underestimate what they've done. And when you do this exercise and take an inventory of the things that you've done, don't underestimate it at all. We have this whole cultural mindset that inordinately rewards the people that have been notable or remarkable for the things that they've done. And it sort of it easily belittles the kinds of things the steps that you've taken in your life to get things done or to take proactive steps. Take note that your interest in a topic automatically puts you generally as long as that interest isn't in like the most popular television show on TV. Your interest in a particular topic puts you in the 1% of the population. Now if you've actually taken the proactive step to read a book about that topic, you're already much farther along. So, take an inventory of things that you have done proactively, and these are the things that you want to identify as sort of valuable knowledge and information that you have that can be a benefit to other people in relationships. Now, I want to give you just a quick example of a time that I've undervalued something that I've done, how it hurt me in finding mentors for that project. I basically had an idea for a, a relatively simple software application, and I went on to Elance to try to hire somebody to do this, and it's ended up pretty much being a disaster. Now, we're, I'm still going to be launching this project and I'm, I'm persevering through the downsides, but the point is is that I sort of felt that because I know nothing about this stuff that who would ever want to talk to me about this stuff? I mean, how can I really hang out with software guys and get their free advice, which is really what I needed. I didn't have any money left to pay for, put good money after bad, so to speak. When I finally did show up um, and I took this positive inventory of look, like, I may not know anything about software applications, and I may not be making a bundle of money off of them, but I did step out and try to do it. And what I learned when I was in a group of people with much more expertise than me, and most of them with much more success, is that I found that there was something that I did have to offer to this group, which is that not only my unique perspective, but that I had stepped out and tried to do something on my own. A lot of software developers I found had a similar desire and maybe they had spent their time training, learning, or working for a company or working for their clients. The mere fact that I had attempted such a thing turned out to be valuable. That was the source of my shame. Turns out to be something valuable I could contribute to the group. So take an inventory of all the proactive steps that you've taken. Be aware of them. You want to not undervalue the things that you've done. So every positive th- proactive step that you've taken is, is a feather in your cap. It's something that you can offer and share with somebody else. Don't undervalue what you've done. I think that that's an important thing. So it's number one, take an inventory of the proactive things you've done and don't undervalue them. Number two, you need to proactively seek out people. You need to create these scenarios. I think one of the best things you can do is create your own mastermind group that's forged in your vision. That's the best way to create what you want in the world. They say there's this there's this business axiom that says the best way to predict the market is to create it. And it's the same thing. If you're dreaming of a, this perfect mastermind group out there and you just like hope that it comes your way, that's a bad strategy. The best strategy is who better to create it than you? You know, know exactly what you want it to be. Then create it. Understand that there can be a huge value in just creating the forum. So maybe you're not the guy that is making tons of money on the internet. maybe you're not the guy who has the best advice for everybody. But you are the guy who's got the vision to bring it together, and by merely setting it up, you can be creating tons and tons of value. And there's countless examples of that being true. Bringing people together can be of huge, huge value. So if you have the vision to just bring this thing together, I think that that is a huge value. So that's number two. Proactively seek out people at, at meetups. You know, whether that be through the web, Twitter, um, whether that be through blogs. Um, whether that be through friends, you've got to proactively seek these people. And number three is be brave and be focused. I think focus, bravery follows that focus. When you can clearly in your mind know what you want, okay? So you know the kind of mentors or the kind of mastermind or the kind of group of friends that you need to pull together. When you can focus in on that vision of what you want, you can start to see the value that it's going to bring you. Okay, so if I can meet with a group of four entrepreneurs every week and I can share with them the problems that I'm having in my business or in my lifestyle, my approach to lifestyle, here are the kinds of value that I'm going to get out of it. I know that that's going to inspire me or I know that I'm going to get some great like money-making tips. Then you, that is going to buttress your bravery. When you can and see the incentive of, of doing it, all of a sudden... Things like being nervous about an introduction or a cold call or um, putting yourself out there is going to greatly reduce because you're going to be able to weigh that against some concrete value. So, I think that that's an important element here is that when all you've got is like the hope and the desire for something to happen to you, um, there's a lot of anxiety that comes along with this stuff. And if you can't put something on the other side, like the value that you can clearly envision, then oftentimes you'll become a victim of hope, like vague hope and the kind of insecurity and pressure that that puts on you. Get rid of that vague hope and, and be brave and be focused and be clear about what you want the world to look like. And I think that that's a great, uh, those are three steps that you can take to, to, uh, to adjust your mindset and get focused on pulling together a group of like-minded individuals. Rob, I, I really thank you for your question. I hope that that gets at what you're, you're going for. If not, you know, send me another email and, um, and maybe we can start to refine this thing and, and work on a strategy that works for not only you but for the listeners as well. Um, and we can certainly publish that on the website and everything. So anyway, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Hope to see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Lifestyle Business Podcast. If you're particularly interested, you definitely need to go to our website at lifestylebusinesspodcast.com and get on the mailing list. That's how I communicate with the community, and I'll share some things through the newsletter that don't make it onto the podcast. Also, if you like the podcast, give us a shout over at iTunes. That's going to give us a a big help, get us more subscribers, and will uh, ultimately help us to invest more and uh, bringing, bringing more information to the podcast. So hope to see you next time.